every believer has the capacity to live as Jesus lived. Live victoriously over sin, sickness, death, poverty, and every evil works of the enemy. You can transform not just your own life, but the lives of people around you. The more you expose yourself to the words of God, the more you see it flow through you. In this message, Pastor Philip teaches on how you can respond to God's unconditional love for you. Live your life in the reality of His power and be all His Word says you can be. Thank you. Thank you for coming again tonight. I'll talk a bit about him later. Okay, so um, we're talking about love, walking in love. Love of God and how that God loves us unconditionally. He loves us in spite of us. He loves us in the gutter. He loves us in our field. He loves us in our worst conditions. He loves us when we wouldn't even have loved ourselves. He chose us still. The Bible says that we yet choose Israel. I used to say that if God gave us an opportunity to choose, I wouldn't have even chosen myself because I know me. Me know me. Me know that me is not worthy. But God chose me in spite of me, in spite of the things I can't do so perfectly, in spite of the things I can't do so well. So God loves us unconditionally. He loves us eternally. I've emphasized that over and over. But it doesn't get too much. I have to say it over and over again for you so it sticks in your mind. God loves you. God loves you. He's not, he's not loving you because you performed well. He loves you in spite of your performance. He doesn't love you because you read your Bible. Of course, you should read your Bible and you should pray, but God doesn't love you more because you do those things. God loves you whether you do those things or not. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to die. He gave himself, he gave his son when the world didn't even accept him. So it's not now that you are born again that he will now love you more because you read your Bible. He will not love you more because you pray. You are the one that grows more in love with him. The more you pray, the more you read your Bible, the more you spend time with God, you find that your heart begins to love him the more. He doesn't love you more because you pray. You finally found a way to love him the more, the more you spend time with him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? So he doesn't love you because you perform. When you know the love of God, you become full of the fullness of God. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 19. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 19. The Bible says that we should know the depth, the width, the height, the, the width of his love. Ephesians chapter 3 was there. Ephesians chapter 3, you guys are going to hold your Bible today. Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. Can someone read for me from the New Living Translation? Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. Now you have to talk louder. Yes? I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. Yes. 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 Your roots will go down into God's love, yes. Keep you strong. May you have the power to understand as all of God's people should understand, yes? How wide, how long, how high, how deep. You see that it says he wants you to understand how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. Paul is praying for the church that the church will find out all these dimensions of God's love. Continue. 
May you express the love of Christ. He says, even though it's too great to understand fully, I want you to experience it, yes? Hallelujah. Please have your seats. Amen. King James says that you may know the love that passeth knowledge. King James, who has King James? Final verse, verse 19. And to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. So he says, you know the love of Christ that would pass knowledge. It looks to me like tautology. He says, you would know the love of Christ and that the love of Christ would pass knowledge. So there are two kinds of knowledge here. The first knowledge is the intellectual acknowledgement of his love. Then to know means to experience. Then you know it, then you're full. The moment you have a strong depth or understanding of God's love, you'll be full of his fullness. Nothing else will matter. Your love and your joy becomes untouchable. You will be, you will, it will be impossible for you to be depressed. Nothing else will matter. Trust me. Absolutely nothing else. Whether you have Valentine or not, it will matter. Whether you have a job or not, it will matter. Whether you have a car or not, your joy will be untouchable. You won't get easily depressed. There are people who get depressed because somebody that they didn't know unfollowed them on Instagram. Shino on follow you. You don't even know who Shino is. But they say, wow, people are unfollowing me. What did I do? <laughs> if, the, if Satan wants to get them, he just allows one more person. Jinodu unfollows you. Say, hey, they are now two. They are now two. So they go and download app to track those that are unfollowing them. Why are they unfollowing me? Why are they unfollowing me? You don't know the love of God. It was impossible to make Paul sorrowful. Paul's joy was so full because he was so convinced of God's love for him that if you arrest Paul and throw him into the jail, he would sink and break your jail. If you beat him, say, well, thank you. If you say, Paul, we're going to kill you today, say, wow, I've been waiting to meet my Lord. Finally, I get to see him. If you say, Paul, we release you, he goes and starts preaching. If you stone him, he say, wow, to me, for me, that is gay. There's nothing, there's nothing you do to Paul. There's nothing you do to Paul that distracts his joy. There's nothing you do to Paul that steals his joy. He's so convinced of God's love. He says, I've learned to abase. I've learned to abound. Whether there's food, whether there's money, whether there's, it does, those things are not the determining factor of how joyful I am because I found out God's love for me. I won't be shattered. I won't be depressed. Whether anybody touches me, whether anybody loves me, I'm saying, Pastor Philip, my husband does not love me. I say, and so what? <laughs> my husband does not love me. He says, yes, he doesn't love me too, and I don't bother. He said, but you're not married to him. I said, yes, I know. Because I acknowledge that at least people should understand that people that you are married to should love them to an extent. But just that if you know that God, Jesus loves you, it doesn't matter who doesn't love you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Someone said, I was going to divorce. Yeah, I'm going to divorce. So it's so painful. I said, yes, it's just temporary. At least you can take confidence that in heaven, Bible said there's no marriage or giving to marry. I said, thank you, Lord. We'll soon be in heaven and there'll be no marriage. I won't, have to go to, I won't have to go to the pain of divorce all my life. This is just temporary. Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. You can always find a reason to be excited. You can find it. You cannot hinge your joy or your happiness on the fulfillment of someone else. Then you will never remain be, you will never be happy. You will never be happy. Until you find a way to be fulfilled and joyful and excited in God. You know, you never express your love. 
Today I wrote a lot of things down because I don't want to miss my thoughts. I don't know my wife says, your husband does not love you. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Who loves you? Who doesn't love you? Jesus loves me. God loves me. Amen. Okay, so we are, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk today, we've, 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 we've walked about the love of God. And now, I want to start today talking about how you now communicate the love to others. We started on Sunday, we're going to be finished because of what happened. I'm going to talk about handling offenses today, and like I said, I wrote a lot of things down, because I didn't want to lose my thoughts process. Sometimes I, I, I it's not because I, I forgot, but I, I might get excited about something and miss out on my thoughts. So, um, follow me closely. Um, we all understand, all of us agree that this world is a terrible place. People are going to offend you, whether you like it or not. There are people that Satan has already possessed that they must offend you. Uh, if, if you don't know, you better find out. The people that are annoying you, some of them are sent, they're satanic agents sent to offend you. They're on assignment. They want to get you angry. So those, that's going to happen. So the Bible says, surely offenses will come. As long as you're here on earth, offenses will come. So how would you live in love or live, walk in love towards people who consistently offend or hurt you? Today we'll be dealing with that, and I'll start, I'll start of course, I can't finish today, but we'll start then closing on before the month ends. There are four angles to it, four angles, four angles to this, four questions you're going to ask yourself to how do I handle offenses. I will deal with number one today because I cannot finish. Four, so the first thing here, number one is to diagnose why are we having problems? Why are we having problems? Why am I having problems with you? Like, why are we having challenges? Asking myself questions, you diagnose. For every sickness, there's diagnosis, people go diagnose. We have doctors in the house who help you with diagnosis. What's the reason for this sickness? And so people have died because of wrong um, result, diagnosis. I mean, what, what do you call it? What do you call it? Wrong diagnosis. Wrong misdiagnosis or wrong diagnosis. So they say, okay, this happened to this person. These are the symptoms. But because they did the wrong diagnosis, they give the person wrong medication. And because they give the person wrong medication, the person gets to die. People have died because of such things. So the first thing is to find out why are we having problems? Why are we having challenges? And the first thing you need to ask yourself is, Am I the one? Am I the one? Am I the one who has a problem? Now, the reason I'm starting with this is because this is usually the last place people look at. That's everything they look at is at all. Everyone thinks that the other person is the problem. Am I the one who's causing the problem? Am I the one? Is it my, is it my fault that we're having challenges? The first is to look at yourself and find out if you are the problem. People don't like to take responsibilities. People don't like to take ownership of things. They like to push to the other person. Right from the beginning of the world, Adam. When Adam sinned, God says, why did you do that? Why? He says, the woman whom you gave to me, gave me the fruit, and I did it. So he blamed both God and the woman. He said, nothing me as you see me. Did you see me eat fruit yesterday? It was since you brought this woman, that's why we have this problem. You know, people have always learned to shift responsibility and accountability for their wrongdoings to other people. In this generation, it has gotten worse. People now shift it to society. Somebody said, it's a drunk, a drunk, alcoholic, drunk person forcing into the gutter. He says, it's my gene. You know, I have some gene. So people blame their mental preferences. People blame their personality types. People blame their temperaments. People blame all kinds, except themselves. People say, what do you expect me to do? I was abused as a five-year-old girl. What do you expect me? My life must be destroyed. So people's lives are destroyed because you were abused at five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old. What, what do you expect from a life of someone? What do you want her to do? She's been abused. So the, role, the whole of her life should be a wreck. Because she was abused. That's, that's very sensitive. Pastor Philip, this is a very sensitive matter. Please don't talk about this. So we blame society. We blame dysfunctional families. There is nothing in my marriage that I learned from my father. Absolutely nothing. My father had six women give out to children for him. 
six. The number of man. <laughs> when he died, we found out. One boy came. Says one of my father's children. I said, how? Now my, father, my mother gave back to me in December. He was born January. I've never seen his mother before. I know the other three women. Because two, my own mom died. Um, my other brothers, immediately mother died. Then the firstborn, so mother, we know that one too. So, but this one, we never saw her. And my, the, my, 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 my mom's pregnancy of me was perpendicular, was, was running, you know, paripasu. So both my mom and his mom were pregnant at the same time. We found pictures of almost naked girls sitting on my mom, dad's laps in the beach. The guy, guy, the guy cruise. <laughs> Serious cruise. I mean, there's absolutely nothing I am doing in my marriage today that I learned from my father. I could have said the reason why my marriage is dysfunctional. After all, what do you expect me to do? See my father. Is what I learned. I had no good example. Do you know I didn't have more than one? My wife is my only girlfriend ever in my entire life. Praise the Lord! Ever. I couldn't even have two girlfriends. I couldn't even have two girlfriends. My auntie said to me, that, Why are you putting all your eggs in one basket? You are supposed to have one girlfriend in OAU, one girlfriend in Unilag, one girlfriend in Lasso, one girlfriend in the University of Abuja. Then you pick the best. He said, you are putting all your eggs in one basket. This is a woman. A woman advising me how to treat other women. So he said, our problem is not very far from us. So when you women are doing feminism, first deal with this issue from inside. Because our, your problem is not men. Your problem is not men. I'm telling the truth. Have you ever seen any wicked father-in-law? <laughs> Have you ever seen any wicked father-in-law? Is it not monster-in-law? Sorry, mother-in-law? People go through pain and subject other girls to the same pain. Say, I suffered in my husband's house. You must suffer in my son's house. Have you ever seen wicked brother-in-laws? Is it not sister-in-law? That are trying to frustrate the lady that the brother said to bring to the house. You cannot come here. They want to know whether she can sweep. They want to know whether she can lay bed. They want to know what time she wake up. They are checking unnecessary. You see the boys do that? They are just having fun. But if you do feminism, you fight us, fight us. But I know your problem. Honestly, there's Ministry of Women Affairs. There's Ministry of uh, all kind. There's no occupation or profession that they don't have association, female association, association of women lawyers, association of female doctors, association of female. There's no association of male doctors. There's no association of male lawyers. Everyone's female, 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 and yet they will not agree. It's us. <laughs> we are not your problem. Well, that's just side. That's what I'm going. So she said, I should put all my eggs. I should not put all my eggs in one basket. And I said, Ma, if my basket is God, I can put all my eggs there. So I have just one girlfriend all my entire life. Never slept with any woman in my entire life. Only one body counts. I've counted it many times, but only one body count. One in my entire life. Full-blown human being. The son of Mr. Olubaki, chief of Motoro for who? Fourteen children, only one woman ever slept with in my life. I can choose my realities. What is this? See, my father is my father that caused it. So people love to shift blame to other people, shift blame to the society. Why are you poor, society? Why are you dysfunctional, society? 
Why are you the way you are? My parents, my mom. Why are you the way you are? Why are your life like that? The day, the day, the, 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 every other thing. Except themselves. Excuses. Every day, people blame their churches. People blame their pastors. But truth is that you're not a dog. You're not a drug. You're not a robot with an automated response. You have a choice. You have a choice on how to respond. Nobody can make you mad without your permission. I can choose how to respond. I have a choice. I'm not powerless. I can choose how to react. I'm not subjected to a calculated response procedure that is not here. I must just behave this way automatically. No, I can decide how to behave. I can decide how to live my life. Like I chose how to live my life. I chose how to live my life in spite of my father's dysfunctional marriage system. I decided. My father named me after himself. That's my father's name. He wanted me to carry on the idol after him. Took me all the way to Abel Kuta. Initiated me under um, Ogun and Obatala. They said, this is the one the oracle chose. They said, it's me. But I did not choose the oracle. Oracle chose me. I didn't choose it. So I'm free. Because two cannot work together except they... I just say, hey, what do you expect me to do? After all, the oracle has chosen me. So I must live my life like that. No, I have a choice. You can choose, even if you are abused at five years old, abused till you are 12, abused till you are 13, you can decide how your life would be. You can be born again. You, your mind can be renewed. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. You can be changed. Look at Joyce Mayer. You know, Joyce Mayer's father abused her all a young. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not in charge of, I'm not in support of abuse. So yeah, but it's, it's people should be abusing each other. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you can decide that your life, in spite of the pain you went through, can be different. And you're not going to be the automatic consequence of someone else's action. I can decide how my life would be. And once I accept that the other person is the problem, if I accept that you are the problem, I have made myself the victim and I'll be a victim forever because I cannot control you. I can't change you. If I'm a victim of your action, if I'm a victim of your behavior, if I believe that I'm subjected to your behavior, then I've decided I'll be bound forever because I cannot decide you to be changed. Are you following my point? If I say that you are the reason for my problem, you are the reason for our issues, then I'll be bound and in chains forever because I can't change you. So I must decide to take responsibility for my own action. Responsibility for my thoughts. Even though I can change others by influencing them, I cannot force anybody to change. I can't force my children. I can't force my friends. I can't force people to change. I can't force anybody. Even the Bible says, of 1 Corinthians 7, verse 13 to 16, talking about children and couples who are married to unmarried spouses, unmarried spouses. It says, you may be able to change your wife. If your wife is willing to stay with you. I know one pastor. He's a deacon in winners. I've known him since I was a child. His wife is a Muslim. They were both Muslims. He became born again. He has been born again for over 30 years. His wife is still a Muslim. If you go to their house for house fellowship, the wife will be praying on the mat there. And they'll do house fellowship in the sitting room. They live together. They didn't have any fight. The Bible says if your wife is willing to stay with you, or your husband is willing to stay with you, don't go. He says maybe, who knows, you may be able to change, but he didn't give you any guarantee that you will change them. So don't say, ah, as powerful as I am, as I'm not just I am, I'm not able to change my wife since all these days. No. The Bible did not guarantee. Even God has not able to change your word, as powerful as he is. Are you following my point? So you cannot force change. You can't go about trying to change people. It's wrong. You can't go about trying to criticize people. Correct them. They are poking their nose in people's lives. Busy bodies in the church. 
their nose, poke their heart, poke everything. Some people think that they are walking in the spirit. So they think that they have the gift of the spirit to know what people are doing. Do you know that the Holy Ghost is not a busybody? The Holy Ghost is not a busybody telling people other people's sins. See, he has gone to sleep. I don't even know that if the Holy Ghost was there, some of us not to come to church again. If the Holy Ghost is telling everybody what everybody is doing, say you have agreed. Eh? Say you know that some of us will not come again. Are you agreeing with me or not? Eh, now, because we all know ourselves. If the Holy Ghost tells everybody what everybody is thinking, ah, but hey, what are you thinking? <laughs> Can you think? Because even me as a pastor, I will be scared. If the Holy Ghost will tell me, somebody will say, oh, I will be able to preach the gospel. So the Holy Ghost stay mute. Tell you. The Holy Ghost is a confident. It was a busybody. People are poking their nose. All those churches. There are some women, very big women like this. They just come into your matter. Hey, sister, so and so. What are you doing there? We saw you. you just there, just there in everybody's life. It's not the gift of the spirit, the gift of spirit is called discernment of spirits, not discernment of character. It's to know whether it's a demon behind this sickness, not to know whether it's a misbehavior behind this sickness. It's not discernment of character, discernment of habit, or discernment of sin. It's discernment of spirits. That's the gift of spirits. Poking your nose is busybody. It's a proko. It's from the devil. Are you following my point? So it's wrong to go about trying to correct people, change them. I see people trying to change everyone. Every, trying to collect everyone. They go everywhere trying to collect. And that's why evangelism doesn't work like that. I made mention of my status today that that's why we have a very strong, you know, dysfunctional evangelism. Because people do that. There's an echo, Uncle Joe. People go about trying to correct other people. Say, you're, you're dressed this. You're shredded that. You're, you're wearing lipstick. You're wearing earring. And they go about like that. Talking about other people. And they don't even know you. They don't even like you. Don't even introduce yourself to them. You have no right. The right to speak into people's life must be earned. If you have friends in your place, you have no right to be correcting everything they are doing. No. It's wrong. And that's why they hate you. That's why they see you coming. They pass the other side. They see you coming. They pass. I, told you, I told you last week that Jesus Christ saw that that woman was sleeping with seven, women, seven men. That's a mighty woman. You know that story? John chapter 4. And said, what's all the sound? What's that? And said, you have seven husbands. That's how he put it. He didn't say, you are a, you are a, you are a olosho. You are a prostitute. He said, you have seven, you know, seven husbands is milder. You have seven husbands. Say, well, say, and this one you are, you are with, it's not your husband. This is that you are sleeping around. That's the way to say it. But before he went there, you know how many things he told her? He told her so many things. He was so, the woman was so into him that when he was done, the Bible says she ran to the city and said, come and listen to a man that told me everything about my life. You win them first to yourself before you win them to Christ. Stop trying to hijack people from Satan. And say, you're wrong. Your skirt is too short. You are going to be correcting people's husband, correcting people's wife. We don't like the clothes that your wife is wearing. What's your business? Your wife. Why are you looking at my wife? What are you looking at my wife for? <laughs> what are you looking at my wife? What's your plan? You know, we comment on, I don't comment on people's wives. I don't comment. What, what did you see? How did your eyes go there? It's wrong. Correcting people. So there's a, there's a level. It comes with friendship. 
There are people, as a pastor of this, as a pastor, I've told you on Tuesday, I said, there's nothing going on in this church, I don't know. By my duty as a pastor, I know everything. There are things people are doing in their house, I know. I know what I've learned, I've grown. I, when, when I was immature, I used, I used to talk anyhow, but I've grown. I don't have a right to go about telling people, hey, what are you doing in your house? No. As a member of this church, when you bring yourself to this church, you have brought yourself to under my control to a degree. So we have a dress code, for instance. You can't dress like this in this church. I cannot control how you go and dress in your office. Are you following my point? I cannot come and follow you up and I say, oh, yeah, what do you wear to your office? I can't do that. But I can say you can't wear this into this church. You cannot, if you are drinking alcohol, you drink and you fall inside gutter. Allow your eye to be clear. Now, if your eye is not clear, you can be coming with your eye not clear, but you cannot lead in this church. I cannot say you can't be a church member. But you can, because there's a minimum level of moral standard required. There's a minimum level of, of morality required to lead, to be an example to other people. Are you following my point? I'm not going to throw you out, but I will not let you lead. Even Paul says, look, a leader in the church must be an husband of one wife. When he says an husband of one wife, does it mean that there are people that have two wives in that church? Does it mean like that? Answer me now. It means because there will be no reason to say the pastor must be husband of one wife if there are no people with two wives there. Religion is fighting you. Never, they're not there are people with two wives there. And they did not say they should throw away their wife. They just say you cannot lead. You may not say what I'm saying. You know, it's no problem. But, but that's what it means. Because I can't say the leader of this church must have one head. You know, if I said this, that's not necessary. Because everyone has one head. For Paul to have been insisting that the pastor must be husband of one wife. Indicated that there were people in the church. So I wouldn't say that. But I have minimum standard for leadership. You can't be a drunkard and be a pastor of SLC. But I cannot go about telling you how you are going to live your life. How do you do in your office? What do you do in your house? But there are people like that who are poking their nose into other people's business. They, will, they, will, they can snap this picture somewhere and send to pastor. You know, people do all kinds of rubbish. It's wrong. You can't change people like that. You can't change people like that. You can't change by monitoring their lives, by pushing their lives, by going up and down. <clears throat> squeezing yourself and forcing yourself into their lives. Now in Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 Matthew chapter 7 verse 1, the Bible says, judge not so that you will not be judged. That's a very popular scripture. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. If you reach 7 verse 1 down to 3, 7 verse 1 down to 3, it says, judge not so that you will not be judged. Now, it doesn't say that you shouldn't judge absolutely. Please follow me. The Bible didn't say you should never judge. It says you should be careful how you judge because if you don't judge you're going to make mistakes. You have to judge. You're going to make business decisions. Somebody comes to say, ah, please, you're going to make, make, come and make some investments and if you put this investment, you get 30% increase. You say, no, no, the Bible says don't judge. Just put your money there. You must judge. Check them whether they're in CSE. Check them whether they're with SEC. You say, no, 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 I'm not doing that. The Bible says don't judge. I'm going, I'm going to put my money there because I don't want to judge. If you're walking down this street now and you go to that corner and you're going down, you saw some guys with black t-shirts, tattoos all over, smoking the go with machetes. You know, say, ah, should I pass? I say, no, 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 don't judge. Just go on. Say, ah, no, I'll judge. I will judge. Let me judge. Let me pass another side. Because it's important for you to be able to discern. So the Bible isn't saying that you should not judge absolutely. It says, be careful how you judge. Now, verse 3 says, before you remove the speck off your brother's eye, it says, remove the beam of your eye. What that means is that when you're talking about issues around even strife or complications around relationship, you must always check yourself first. Am I the problem? Am I the problem? Am I the one behind the pain? Am I the one behind the issue? 
Am I the one? Am I the problem? You must be able to honestly evaluate yourself. Am I the one behind this issue? Now, there are some people that have very low esteem that they are always the problem. It's me. It's me. That's very wrong. So I'm not saying that. There are always people that always, it's always them. When there's any issue, they always take the lowest ebb that I'm the one. I'm the, I'm the one. Because they don't say anything good about themselves. There are people who have such lowest service. That's what I'm talking about. You should be able to honestly and sincerely look and say, am I the problem? Now, it might take a lot of strength to be able to say, I'm not the problem. The other person is. But you must be honest and sincere. So let's tilt more to what we have most of the time. Now, you have to consider yourself, even though most times it is both sides, you must consider the fact that you could be the problem. You could be the problem, you could be the issue. You don't have a right going about solely and, and, and criticizing someone without first looking at yourself whether you are the reason. You are the reason. A lot of us have gone through pain in our lives. And so because we have gone through pain in our lives, we are very touchy. We are quick to be offended. We are carrying baggages from previous relationships that put us in a place where we are very, very vulnerable to pain. And so everyone else becomes a suspect. For instance, if you are cheated in your former relationship, there's a tendency that you come into this relationship with a defensive approach. You are thinking that, ah, this person, I beg, you must not give them time. Men has come. Then your friend say, go and read Joro, go and read Joro. You meditate upon Joro. You read Joro like three days. Say, ha, now I'm ready. So you enter a relationship with a Jorofied perspective. And so you have, you are suspicious of everything. If the guy is say, hey, you want to beat me? You are very suspicious. Have you seen people are very suspicious? They are suspicious of every move. A guy went to an interview and told the lady, you smell nice. The guy said, say, what do you mean? I smell nice. Have you, did you hear that story? The girl was very angry. Like, Don't ever try that. He would say, what is the problem? So that's sexual harassment. That's this harassment. Ah, you smell nice, madam. That's what we said. That's what we said, though. So people are going about with baggages, hurting people who hurt other people. People are already in pain who find it easy. So the Bible says here that we should check up the beam in our eyes and remove it. And not allow the dysfunction in your own life be the reason why you are consistently angry. Consistently angry. Everything will look like an offense. Everything will look like a pain. Everything, you are so touchy. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, the Bible says, love is not easily provoked. But you are suspicious. If somebody pass in front of you, you are suspicious and they don't greet you. That happens a lot in church. They so say they didn't greet me. I've heard things like, it's giving me attitude. You know, Banji said, he wants to, <laughs> says, looking for a day. So this is what he starts saying, thank you for giving me attitude. So let them just start saying, this, this attitude, where's attitude? They say, thank you. Thank you for giving me attitude. I said, I'm looking for attitude. That person says, give me attitude. person walks and did not greet me. So you're angry. And the person did not greet you. Why not greet the person? But automatically you translate, that's judging. You already translate what the person has done. Ah, this person is already angry. This person is already, is, already, is, already, is already angry with me. And because of your past experiences, it affects it affects what you are doing. Now, somebody may do something you don't like. You must not judge why they did it because you don't know why they did it. It's possible somebody says something you don't like. Actually, you don't like what that person said, but you don't know the reason why they said it. For instance, if I'm preaching and somebody gets up from this stage and goes out, I can say, ah, maybe what I'm preaching is offending the person. The person might be pressed. You know what I'm saying? You don't know why. You, I might be bereaved. 
I called a friend she wasn't picking. I called. She now said, I lost my elder brother. You don't know what people are going through. People are going through pain. But if you don't understand, your, the fact that you have been pained or hurt before will give an, a quick translation to every action. If I'm driving by car, somebody barged into my front without, the, without you know, using their pointers. They say, stupid man, crazy man, you don't have a pointer? It's possible his pointer is spoiled. It's possible his wife is in, in labor. It's possible he's rushing to the hospital. It's possible he's mad. Anything is possible. You can't allow somebody dump your issues or your emotions and you are always angry. Always offended. It's only you. In the bank, you are angry. In the school, you are angry. In the church, the ushers don't respect you. At office, your colleagues don't see the way you are. Everywhere you go, there's a problem. You should know that you are the problem. Because these people did not, they didn't, they didn't talk about that, let's go and frustrate this person. They didn't say it. Praise the Lord. Can you give me more sound? This is low. I'm, I'm having to raise my voice. Are you following my point this evening? So if you take heart in, the Bible says, look at your eye, take away the beam. You have to deal with the issue in your own life first that is making your life so sensitive before you come into relationships. People may do anything. Say, Pastor, me, that person did not greet me. He did not greet me. Why? I've seen people who are very angry that people did not greet them. I've seen people who are very upset that somebody did not tell them something that happened. They not had it from a third party. See, I expected you to tell me first. You know, all this kind of expectation and, and, and entitlement is, is terrible. It's causing a lot of hurt. If I greet you and you don't answer me, I will shout. And greet you where? I will not read in between the lines. I don't know what you are. I don't, I don't know your body language. If you're angry with me, you do not tell me. I don't know. It frees me from pain. I'm not always, you know, in a place where I am reading meaning to everybody's action. You are reading meaning. Reading meaning. I don't care. Let me tell you something I wrote here. If someone is behaving cold, you should find out why. It is wrong to give a reason that you have not found out why they are cold. If somebody's behavior is withdrawn, you know that this person is withdrawn. Don't automatically assume that this person has joined these other people. If this person is your friend before, ask why. Why is this person cold to me? Stop looking for people to stroke your ego. Don't be needy that you need people to always tell you how good you are. And so when they don't tell you, you take offense. They are that in church. Needy people. When we're, in, when we're in primary school, there's a story they read for us in, in, our, in our primary school book that it stayed with me forever. The story of a, of a king's flutist. He plays flute for the king. He's the, most, he's the, the king's favorite flutist. There's no other flutist in the whole of the town. He was the major one. Everybody talked about him. So he, he started thinking that maybe they did not really know his value. So he organized his death. He organized his death with his wife that he, they would say he has died. And he want to know how everybody will miss him. He want to know how much they really love him. So he now died in quotes. People were crying. He was very happy seeing the way people really miss him. You know, people are very, they have problem. He saw how people were really missing him and they were crying. You know, after one, two weeks, two weeks, three weeks, by the third week, one flutist came into town. 
and played even more beautifully than he was playing. And they forgot him in no time. Because human beings forget. That's why you cannot live your life needy of people's affirmation. People forget. No matter how great you are. People who are great because they have died. We have moved on. Some people die with it. They are not going to move on. We, we, we move on. When my father died, we crashed. We are going to die the coffee with it. We did not enter. We move on. Because we have our own life to live. Yes. And the, the earlier you free yourself from that bondage, the better for you. So he now came back. When he came, everybody ran away. Hey, ghost, ghost. He now said, no, it's not a ghost. No, it's not. Ah, they said, that's your land of the dead. You must go back there. As far as we are concerned, we have a new flutist. I also heard a story of a guy who left his job. I was, I was just with my wife today. I put up my status. The guy resigned. When he resigned, they acknowledged his resignation and started crying. So they said, ah, why are you crying? He said he thought they are going to beg him to stay. And I really, he didn't intend to resign. He just wanted to know how much they really love him. Ah, they escorted him out. Yeah, out. Because we cannot work with such kind of people. Now, it looks funny, but it's true. There are people who are going about needing affirmations. And so they cannot live their life. If someone didn't tell them how good they are, how nice they are looking, how beautiful they are, you know, they are so bored. The moment you put yourself in that place, it becomes so difficult. It becomes so difficult. You are very, very touchy because you need, you are needy. In relationships, it causes problems. You do not say, ah, I'm looking. Every other person has tell me, ah, I'm looking. You say, ah, you are fine. You are fine. You are looking fine. The guy is looking for affirmation. Can't you see what I'm doing? And because there's a secretary in his office that's always telling him, oh God, you are very... So he now finds excuse now because my wife doesn't affirm me enough and my secretary affirms me. So it's a reason for extramarital affairs. Rubbish. Rubbish. Find out why before you conclude. Don't judge people's actions. Judge their intentions. If somebody does something, don't just judge what they did. What they did. Judge, why did they do it? Why did they do it? Why did they do it? If I'm preaching my heart out to you, and I think that the person is not getting it, I find out why. I don't just judge. There's times I'm teaching and somebody's sleeping. It happens many times. Before I used to be very, very touched, I say, how can I be preaching? And somebody's sleeping. You know, you take this very personal, and you must be free from yourself. Until I read that so Paul was preaching and somebody slept. And fell down from the third floor. Paul the apostle. That I say, ah, who am I? So sleep on. I don't take it personal anymore. Because people are pained. Why are they sleeping? They don't respect me. They don't respect my anointing. It's not about you. Everything is not about you. You are overwhelmed. You are overpossessed. You are, you are, too, you are too much over yourself. It's not about you. You are not the most important person in the world. You are not the center of the universe. You are not. Look at you and say, I am not. I'm not. So I'm not. I'm not. It's not me. In my former church, there was somebody that was got, got so angry that the HOD didn't call. HOD didn't call her. Terrible. She's been a worker in that church for over five years. And she got angry that the HOD didn't call her when she didn't come to church and wrote a text message to the pastor threatening to leave the church. That she was going to leave. I said, Why? I said, HOD didn't call her and she wasn't in church. So they had the workers' meeting. And one of our pastors, his name is Pastor Zaya. He was very furious. He said, HOD, you have to call. You have to this, that, blah, 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 blah. This person now is saying he's going to leave the church because he did not call. He said, yes, yes. I, I, I want to talk. They gave me the mic. Ah, I think that was the day I was most furious 
in our church. I was literally shaking from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet as I heard the mic. I said, a walker didn't come to church and is angry that the HO didn't come. The walker, if she wasn't going to go to our office, she wouldn't just send a text message to the boss and say, I- I'm sick. Even if you are dying, won't you use your last breath to send the message? I'm dying, I'm dying. Would you leave your office and resign that they don't love you? That's why you're leaving. I don't mind if a church member did that or someone who's a convert. A worker of over five years is threatening the pastor. I say, yee, that is angry. Did they call the HOD? Do you know why HOD's daughter died? I say, he has to know that you are not the most important person in HOD's life. You are not letting it get to your brain. You are not, in case you are here. You are not. As I was, I was, I was jittery. Ah! I said, we're not beautiful about us here. Soldiers of Christ. Can you see Facebook one? Can you Facebook one? Someone that got angry because they didn't go, will you Facebook? Can you Facebook one? If they come here with bombs, will you stay? You can't stay. You are leaving because they didn't call you. Are we a call center? Are we MTN? I was so angry. Nonsense. When I was done, I dropped the mic. They shared the grace. Nobody said, because they knew if you had, if you had stood up to say, I could have beaten you. I was so angry that you are too, too, too petty. Rubbish. Rubbish. We must be strong. We can't be petty. Our lives cannot be dependent on other people's approval or what they feel about us. We must not. We must not. I want to tell you something. If I preach this message finished today and someone gets up and says, Pastor Philip, this message you preach today is a very useless message. I hate it. I don't believe it. And I think you're not anointed. I'm not going to be blessed by what the person said. But I will not be bothered. Because Jesus loves me. And I cannot control what the person thinks about me. I can control my own reactions. So you can't offend me. Honestly, you can't. Where my offense is, is buried deep in my mind. Anyone I don't lean on cannot disappoint me. You can't, I was telling my friend, you can't offend me. To offend me, you must be very close to me. You must be so close to me like my singlet to offend me. And that's why only the people that are very close to me always offend me. Every other person can never offend me. There's nothing you can do. I'll just look at you like this. If I give you a assignment, I'll give somebody else. Very fast. You can't offend me. I will not be angry. See, I'm going to deal with that person. Me and you will not be having issues, personal, personal issues. Me and Olamide, personal issues in the church. I'm going to show her I'm the pastor of this church. She has to organize. I can't do that. I don't have time for that. All this reading meaning, all these fighting that you are too idle. Go and get busy with your life. You are too idle. Your problem is that you are too idle. You are too idle. Who cares? Who cares? Do I have to say, you're not even the pastor of church. I don't care. If someone says I'm not a pastor of the church, will it move me? Will it change me from whether I'm pastor or not? Say, we don't even think you are the pastor. It's your business. When family came to my house during Christmas, we were going to go and buy water. So we walked out of my house. Where we thought we were going to get water, we didn't get water there. So we had to take back. Me and him climbed the same bike. I sat in front, stand behind me. If, and it's my church member, I'm his pastor. But do you know that is a uselessness to think that? What will he think of me after now? 
you have problem. Because you have to, you have to have a particular, you know, you have, to, you have to be somehow for people to respect you. Who cares? We went to go and preach on, on Sunday. Where we parked our car. The road was so bad. Seven of us entered our car. Down. I said, no. The Lord said, no, we can't take that car. We can't take that car there. So we stopped our car. Seven car. We can, we're going to preach all of us on your car. To preach. I said, this is, I, I wish I even videoed it because it was looking very far as we're going. Galloping. <laughs> when we got there, we entered. We finished preaching. We're not going. The place was so dark. There was no car. So we're going to two. Me and Toby Sachs were on one car. I was going to preach heavily. Makata Shalabahaya. Manago. I was on Kada. So I will not die. Maybe Toby will not honor me again. Because I'm Okada. Is it because of Okada that I became pastor? Are you following my point? My, my honor as a man is not tied to all this uselessness. That's some of you are going to, buy, going to buy clothes you don't need. Because people must like you. They must celebrate you. They must respect you. And you are using all your money that you don't have. Money is supposed to save in and put in artifacts. Unless you give you 15% every month. You used to buy suits and buy shoes that people can respect you in the church. Uselessness. There's no need. My honor is not tied to the kind of car I drive. It's not tied to the kind of house I live in. It's not tied to the kind of clothes I wear. We're on the same Okada. Two of us climbed Okada and we're gisting, we're gisting. Till we got there. We went to eat in Pandayam. Somewhere, Lloyd took us to the house, went to eat pine. All of us at the same table. The same man, I said, look, you better eat. If you look at me here and you don't eat, you are going to be hungry. I'm not promising you anything after now. So eat to your fill. Because it is not by your hand. Some people cannot eat in front of their church members. Everybody must think that they are spirits. There's no need. My valid, I am free from likes, comments. I'm free from all those things. My life is so simple. Free. Free. That's why you cannot offend me. Because I didn't, I didn't put all my heart on you. All my life on you. This might be different for husband and wives. It's a little different because husband and wife have a right to say, okay, this is how I want you to love me. This is how I want you to love me. This is my love language. So you must love me this way. And my wife says, you must love me that way. But the truth is that there's no perfect husband in the world. There's no perfect wife in the world. And there's no boy that will be able to love you completely, absolutely the way you want. So if you're an husband and your, your, and your happiness as an husband is attached to it, the way your wife loves you, you may be depressed all your life. You must find fulfillment in yourself. In yourself. Offenses will come, but your reactions are your choice. People will offend you. People will offend you. I will not lose my sleep because somebody said something about me. I will not lose my rest. Who cares? That's what they think about it. Somebody wants to put some a useless comment on your on your on your on your Instagram post or something. You block the person. Who cares? Who cares? I must be honest to know. Am I the one? Am I the one? And the moment I'm able to clear that, I may not even have to look farther. The moment my path is clear, offenses become cheap. Christians must learn to walk in love. But it starts first with you. And like I said, you have a choice of reacting. How would you react to offenses? Offenses will come. I promise you, people will offend you. But go get a job. Go get a job. You are too idle. You are seeing attitude everywhere. 
When we sat down today, I was telling my wife, I'm starting second service. Please get getting too small for us. At about 300 people on Sunday. It's too small for us. And I'm telling myself that even Philip, even if you start two services, are you going to not start four services here? Because if you want to have a thousand member church in your third year, if you want to have one thousand member church in our third year as a church, I'm targeting one thousand. Will I squeeze one thousand people here? That must, I must begin to think whether I like it or not of another place. There's no way I must think of it. So as I'm thinking of it now, somebody has come and check a land around Capital Orb. They want to rent it for me two, two million each year. And if I want to rent ten years, that's twenty million. If I'm going to build a marquee on it, that's about 20 million. I'm begging to rent it to bring it down for me for maybe 1 million so I can pay 5 million for 5 years and we're negotiating, we're negotiating, we're negotiating. But I've already called my friend who does a marquee and say, ah, to do, even do the cheap marquee will cost about maybe 20 million. Now, you see, as I'm thinking of this, I'm calculating, I'm calculating, I'm thinking, you now give me attitude. <laughs> I will not notice. Honestly, to God who made me, I will not know that you're giving me attitude. I will not know. The only thing I know is that how will this 30 million come out? And I'm calculating, I'm thinking, what do we need to do? What do we need to get done? Because although we don't, we don't need it now, we may not need it but until next, next two years, but a wise leader will begin to plan. I cannot squeeze 1,000 people here. It's already obvious that we cannot be here. We can't be here. Our, our second year anniversary is coming up next, next month. We already plan how to put canopies outside. There's no way we can squeeze people here. There's no way. There's no, I, I cannot see your attitude. On, even if you show me the attitude, you bring LED screen to show, I will not notice. I will think that maybe something's wrong with you. I'll, honestly, I will just say maybe you are not feeling fine. Maybe something, I, I, will, I will explain it away because that's not my, that's not the thing that is, is doing me. That's not what is doing me. Say, you did not greet me. The greeting you greet me, people that greeted me, did they give me money? Don't greet me. Which greeting? <laughs> the one you greeted me yesterday, they say, over, give me money. Ah, you greeted me. You greeted me. Don't greet me again. <laughs> I won't see all those things. You are too idle. Your heart is too filled with vacuum. And so you have time to read many in everybody's action. You have time to see that person. Okay, this person has just passed now. He didn't see anything. That other one is good. I've been watching him for a while. <laughs> this one too is there. I said, two people have come to settle fight. Come to settle fight with you. You are, you, are, you, are, you are just there. There was a time we were in church in our choir. Some, people, some ladies were fighting. So my HOD called me and said, Philip. You have to settle this fight. So me and my friend Manus, we sat down. About seven of them. So we now say, okay, you, what do you say to this one? So this one, okay, when he said that, what do you not say back? <laughs> so after he said that, you two, what do you not say again? So we're doing that. We're doing that. And as we did, they were already deleting their chats. They were deleting the evidence right there. So someone now said, why did you delete it? I said, I didn't delete anything. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Ah. So I thought to myself, Manus, let's, let's pray. We are over with this meeting. Ah, man said, we have not gotten to the root of the matter. I said, there's no roots. This root is too deep. I said, they already did it in this. You cannot settle. You are just going to waste our time. I said, two hours. Two hours of our life. We have used to settle this fight. I said, God, you ask me now, Philip, what is this two hours to do? I cannot say I used to settle fight because I know why you anointed me. He spit upon me to preach the gospel. There's no place in my assignment that has settling of fights. There's no single place. And thou shalt settle fight. Nothing. You are too idle. Offenses come easily to those that are idle. You know why Jesus was not easily offended? Somebody came to tell Jesus, Jesus, the Pharisees are saying that. He said, leave them alone. See, ah, that's two Sadducees saying something. Do you know what they are saying? Say, help me find out. Thomas, what are those Sadducees saying? You see, I'm telling you, brother. Say, some Pharisees did not greet me today. I'm not preaching today. It's because some Pharisees did not greet me. They were talking about him every day. He didn't care. 
He preached, they even come, they would have concocted and said, We are good. He didn't bother. He did what was. They said, they said Look, tell people to kill. He said, This we should keep short, the stones will cry out. He was so obsessed with his assignment that he didn't, he didn't notice whether they were there or they were not there. You are too idle. Offenses come easily to those that are idle. They are angry at everything. They are angry at this, angry at that. And that's why you are broke, because broke people also get angry. Broke people say, Small, small things will offend broke people that are broke. Any small things, they are already annoyed because they are broke. You, they fight on the road. They fight. You know, I, I saw one guy came down from his car and choked the other guy's neck in the car. Came down. And on the express road. And they were fighting. I said, person, I said, there's no way this guy is going to a multi million business um, meeting and after for this kind of thing. <laughs> Even if they scratch him, say, don't worry, 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 don't than that, that this useless thing you are doing. But it's too broke. It's fighting everywhere. Go and get busy. Look for a mind-stretching vision. A life-stretching, a life -stretching, an energy-consuming vision that takes your mind so much, your heart is engaged. You don't have to have all these little, little things. Everybody's offending you. Everybody's offending you. And your life can be free. That's on your feet. Bless his Lord for his word. Father, we thank you. We bless you, Lord. You're worthy. Thank you for your grace. Your grace is enough for us. Thank you for your love that you've shared abroad in our hearts that we would love our neighbors just like you've loved us. Nothing else will hold us back. Thank you, Father. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Worship him. Tell him, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you because of your grace that's on my life. As I go out, I walk in love. In the name. Thank you for listening to this message. Meditate on these words and watch how it will transform your life. For inquiries, please call 0909-672-9827 or 0807-548-5997. You can reach us on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at SLChurchNG. You can reach us on our Facebook. That's Supernatural Life Church.